Thank you for listening to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast, a podcast about imagining and crafting a more whole world. In these episodes, we'll be sharing conversations with people we believe have beautiful perspectives, asking questions like, how do we design futures of wholeness? What does that look like, taste like, feel like? What does it look like in our work, our creative processes, and in our relationships with ourselves and each other, and with the mystery and the myth? How can we craft a vision of the future that can hold all of us? How can we allow wholeness to be centered in our human evolution and global creative processes? We hope these episodes support you in your own inquiry into these questions. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. My name is Dajay and I'm your host and I'm so excited to bring you another episode this time with a very special guest, someone who I would say whose spirit is like dear to my heart, even though we've only gotten to spend so much time and space together. Rachel Maddox is someone whose work I deeply admire, whose presence I deeply adore. She is someone who is a seasoned guide, a two-time author, earth-loving gardener, and a full-time which she's out there in the internet streets and in the real life streets inviting people into fuller embodied coherence with themselves over the past 13 years she's been in the field of personal development walking with people step by step from archetype to archetype from stage of initiation and change to stage of initiation and change walking with people especially over the last seven years specifically in trauma resolution helping people into greater relational coherence and embodiment. She is the creator of the Rebloom Body of Work, a nervous system-based archetypal approach to personal and collective healing. And I have gotten to dive into this work myself through her book, Rebloom, and it is so potent. It's so special. Her course, her book are so powerful. And if you haven't heard of her work, I will put a link in the show notes for you to explore how to get your hands on these archetypes for moving through change, moving through initiation, and more deeply embodying yourself. Throughout her work, she has walked with thousands of people and she has certified over 50 experienced coaches, therapists, guides in her method. Currently, Rachel is in a deep listening season and it's been such a blessing to watch shards of it on the internet. Behind the scenes, she's been working with a small amount of CEOs and experienced practitioners, helping them embody their most easeful and aligned and alive genius in their life and their work. And in front of the scenes, on the internet, on the camera, on Instagram, she has been inviting people to radically honor who they are with a non-judgmental gaze. Reading her words is almost like reading the words of an older sister who has been through that thing that you're you're going through. And she she just like lays it out. She's like, look, this is how it is. This is where we are. And you get to be here whole. So I deeply appreciate her presence in the world. I deeply appreciate this conversation that we had. We talked about very many things, including polyamory and being Enneagram 8 women. But we also talked a lot about change and going through changes that are really deep, so much to the point where they feel like death. We talked about going through stages of initiation. We talked about asking the question, what is the rush on 
um, moving from maiden to mother and mother to crone and what it can really mean for us to to stay in a season and allow that season to season us, to deeply develop us, to deeply integrate us and bring us into the world in more whole ways. So I hope that this episode really serves those of you who are standing at the cusp of new life, new ways of belonging in the world as you're exploring new ways of being with your work, or maybe you're exploring new ways of being in relationship and in life. This season is a very practical episode and also a conversation between two souls about growing up and growing in and deepening and allowing ourselves to be who we are in the world. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. I am really loving this conversation around like, we get to change, we get to evolve, we get to become something else. And our essence still remains intact. Completely. Yeah. Which (laughs) the language can change. (laughs) The titles can change. All of it can change, but you're still you. And people (laughs) still feel you more or less in the same way. And maybe we're like crystals or diamonds. Like, okay, this is the facet of me that's facing forward today (laughs) or in this season of my life. But I'm still me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're coming on the podcast. Um, I have been sort of familiar with your work for a little while. I think I found you through Madison Morgan, naturally. (laughs) Um, And just really kind of like loving. I love the way that you show up. I love the way that your essence comes through on the internet. Like there's one, there's just like so much permission, which I'm sure you get that a lot of like, there's just a lot of permission to be a human um, when I witness you. And Mm. there's like also like a raw quality that isn't like abrasively like raw. It's like human. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like this person has like textures and skin and hair and probably Mm -hmm. like sweat but like we don't have to think about like when oh yeah I smell (laughs) (laughs) like it's like no like it's like very very human and also like you you know what you're talking about at the same time so there isn't like this disconnect between like being a professional and being like a human which I think a lot of people are searching for that cohesion Mm. that space of like can these parts of me actually coexist in the same place? Or do I can have to continue to fracture myself? Do I have to continue to be X, Y, and Z in order to be accepted? And I totally didn't mean to launch in like full podcast mode. I wanted to like explore with you. Well, let's just <laughs> let's just keep going because I'm kind of like, can we can we dive in right here? Because yes. All right. You know, it's interesting because I do I, I appreciate that reflection. That's really, really sweet way to start. And the experience I have is a little bit of surprise maybe, or even like resonance and dissonance, because I think for myself, part of what I wonder about is, am I, I think I've, you know, for a long time, I really focused on how am I showing up in a way that is going to earn trust for people to pay me money? 
because I'm doing a job and I, yeah. and I want to survive in capitalism. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm pretty good at projecting an energy of you can trust me to pay me because like you said, I know what I'm doing. I will yeah. hold you. I will stay in a role of I'm here for you. And then I also am a human and I, and I don't want to strip myself of my own humanity. I'm also an artist. I always want to center my art, but there's a dance that I've, I've done. And I think especially now I'm sitting in a lot of big questions and there's a way I notice that, and, and maybe it's fine. Maybe it's just like energetic boundaries and protecting the sanctity and privacy of my personal experience, but I'm much more comfortable sharing and presenting in an energy of knowing <laughs> than in an energy of not knowing, even yeah. though I radically revere and bow to the mystery and dance with it very, very deeply. Mm-hmm. That's not, and, and maybe it still shines through. Maybe what you're saying is it still shines through that you're human mm-hmm. without kind of oversharing. I don't know, but I, I find myself in my own dance of like, where am I perhaps disservicing my humanity and others' humanity by not really revealing mm-hmm. just the depth of questions that I'm sitting in? And I really feel like I hold that both and where I've got a yeah. lot of questions and I have a lot of quote unquote answers. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, this comes, it reminds me of another conversation I'm, I'm having with a lot of other people right now, which is like, some folks are like, in essence, called to stand in that liminal, like stand in that gap, mm-hmm. to, not, to be neither and, right? Like to be like, I'm not on either, fully on either side of the spectrum in essence, but I can speak to both. Mm-hmm. And I toe that line with kind of a fullness in in a in a sense. Um like doula work is kind of a, an example of that. And you know, what we know of shamanism is kind of an example of that. I've been reading this book called uh, Spell of the Sensuous by David Abrams in the very are you familiar with it? I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it, but it's oh a lot God. of people's favorite books. So maybe I should pick it you up. You <laughs> would love, in the first chapter, he's talking about like, he's talking about kind of like the autonomy of magic. Mm. And he's talking about like, kind of sharing his observations of like medicine folks and shamans, like just what he's noticed. And like the the deep reverence that people have, like there's two parts of it, the deep reverence that people have for medicine people and shamans in like remote villages of like, oh my God, like I have so much respect for them. It could completely destroy me if I get on their wrong side. They live in the woods. Like when I come, I'm bringing offerings. And like that medicine person is like, I'm just living my life, but it's fine that you think that (laughs) because that means that like, I'm a little bit more protected and in relationship with what I'm here to be in a relationship with. And Mm. like, we can kind of respect the exchange that's happening. Like I do have this ability to communicate with the earth. I do have this ability Mm. to communicate with the, like the mystery Mm. and like, yeah, I'm not going to hurt you, but it's fine that you think I might hurt you or like, I'm... (laughs) It's a very interesting like story, but like, it's fine that you think that, but then there's also like this other part of it, like where some people are truly genuinely like drawn and called to 
be in that relationship and almost be hidden in that relationship with the mystery and with the knowing. Mm. And it's like through deepening into that mystery, that's how we find our knowing. And it's like this reverential cycle that Mm. we get to walk. And so I wonder if you like feel resonance with that or like dissonance or whatever, like, does it, you know, does it land for you? It totally does. And I want to take it to this maybe unexpected place, which is marriage. Mm. So I'm engaged that's and exciting. I don't want to get <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to get married. I want to stay engaged. And I know this, I don't know. I, it's, I'm, oh, I'm so excited to talk about this in the context of what you just brought up mm-hmm. because um, this is something I've been working through. I think layers of like shame and, you know, yeah, basically layers of shame around because there's such a strong cultural script that if you want to have a family with someone, if you're devoted to someone, if you maybe want to pursue lifelong partnership, then you should just get married. Mm. But for me, as a uh, devotee to mystery, it just feels super inauthentic to sign Mm. my name on a piece of paper and say, till death do us part. Yeah. I would rather sign my name on a piece of paper that says maybe we'd be eaten alive by this relationship and see what happens. Like, I love I'm, that. And I'm like all in, like I'm so all in. But, you know, so I've actually always been on this program, but when I was 23, I'd been with my partner at the time for seven years or six years and we got engaged. Well, really it was the same thing. I was like, I don't really want to get married. And he was like, I don't really want to get married. But we wanted to have this love fest because we were about to ride our bikes around the country. And so it got co-opted by our families into a wedding. And we were like, okay, we'll get married, but we won't get legally married. We'll have a wedding, but we won't. And then a few months later, my partner at the time was like, I really want to get legally married before this trip. So I was kind of like strong-armed into it, but it didn't feel authentic. But I was too young to like, to really sit in the seat of my mystic and say, yeah. this is not who I am. Yeah. Like this violates a core part of my being to sign this contract. Mm. And I don't say that to make it wrong for anyone else. Like it's super right for a lot of people, but for me, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful because I'm like the the partner I'm with now, we got engaged. It feels super real. We're going to have rings. I might even call him my husband. We're not going to have a wedding and we're not getting married. And like, that just feels true. Yeah. That feels like truth for me. Yeah. That feels like a way to allow myself to do exactly what you were talking about, which is like really make love to the mystery. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is so beautiful. I just remember being 20. I think I got divorced at 23. (laughs) And I got divorced at 25. (laughs) There's so much of what you were saying that I'm like, oh yeah, it's like, it's landing. And like, also one thing I wrote down was the cultural script aspect. Yeah. Especially around relating um, to anything at all. Relationships with the mystery, relationships with people, relationships with our work. Mm -hmm. Like what are these cultural scripts that you are speaking to? What is your relationship with that term? Mm. I mean, 
Well, with relationships, there's definitely heteronormative, monogamous-centric, <sighs> like, scripts that I think, I think a lot of our cultural scripts inside of capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy, colonization, et cetera, <sighs> are about trying to control the mystery, literally trying to dominate, own, extract from, control the wild. <sighs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> from just like a really primal place, so many of our systems that harm are coming from a fear of the wild and an inability to dance with it, an inability to dance with the unknown and to be yes. in reverence, to, to make offerings, to surrender, to not always getting our way, to you know, really embody humility. And like you were talking about in your Instagram post or whatever, like to see yourself in the larger story as a piece of belonging to it versus how can I own and control it so that I can have some, you know, illusion of <sighs> ultimate safety. Yeah. In some ways for me, that's what signing my name on a marriage contract feels like, an illusion of safety yeah. over 50% of people get divorced who get yeah. married. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure most of those people like myself didn't, didn't think when they signed the paper, they were going to get divorced mm -hmm. and yet it happens. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we have this cultural script mm -hmm. on all of these different levels that says, if you sign your name on the paper, you'll be safe. Yeah. If you, if you sign up for dominance, if you sign up for you know, even like having a quote unquote secure job with a 401k, uh, like all of these things will make you safe. And it's not true. Life isn't safe. Life just isn't safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Everything you're saying is so good. And, you know, I'm going through a decoupling right now and oh. yeah, but there's like, but like what you're saying is like, I get these curiosities around like, well, what if we're supposed to break up? Mm. Like, what if we are like wired to weave in and out of these relationships sometimes? What if the person that we think we're, and this is like a big question and I feel like some people are gonna be like, oh, stop, pause, I'm not it's ready. Hard. so hard. <laughs> no, there's so many people listening who are like sitting there questioning. And you know, yeah, like we're also part of, part of, devotion, mm -hmm. right? Questioning yeah. doesn't always mean the end is coming. And sometimes right. right. But like, we do know that death is a part of devotion. Yeah. Like he's like death endings are all a part of this thing that we're weaving called life. Mm -hmm. And even the ways that we like are, are with community or are like quote unquote community, the village, right? I've, I've been really into like just kind of leaning into like what is my village like what are kind of my desires and my like kind of letting my desires lead me to that versus like trying to find like what feels safe what feels normal and like watching that as my desires lead me everything whoops everything <laughs> in my current reality is like literally like disintegrating mm -hmm. and like what's emerging is like truly turning me on like my body is like 
you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the people, the environments, the relationship styles are just like truly awakening. And even my relationship, right? And I, like just for all the folks who are finding themselves decoupling in this season, because I know there are a lot of you, I just, it's a vibe, right? It's a whole mm-hmm. vibe. Like it doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be regenerative and soft and kind and beautiful and opening. Um, and we can eliminate the cultural script around it, right? So like, I want to hear more about this from you. I want to hear more about these cultural scripts, oh gosh, especially in relationship kind of- with work. Like what are the ones that you are decording from and weaving from your reality? Let us know. Oh, I want so the tea. many. <laughs> oh, so many. I mean, I'm actually really glad we're on this on this tip right now because honestly, I think this has been a season, for me, it's been deepening into a relationship romantically, but at the same time, unraveling from all kinds of scripts around romance. Similarly, the decoupling I did was with the main facet of my business. <laughs> so I was running a coach training for trauma resolution, personal and collective post-traumatic growth, which I like on so many levels loved. And (sighs) at the same time, I want to have a baby. I want to enter a new phase of my life. And I was having recurring cysts that were rupturing in my ovary, which is like my (sighs) body, this one part of my body, the most sensitive part of my body was like, please stop. And I had to listen to that because like the call of my, my heart and my soul really is toward family right now in this season of my life. And since I decided to stop the coach training and really downsize what I'm doing professionally for the sake of my physical health, my emotional well-being, Um, my creative vitality, all of it. The thing that's been wild, first of all, is I'm making about the same amount of money working like 10 hours a week. Yes. And let me tell you how freaking confronting that is. I think I've inherited a lot of shame in my, from my lineages, both sides, the Jewish side, the survivor's guilt, like the, the Southern Baptist side, the the oppressor's guilt and all of this shame that says my life must be like, not just making up for, not just like living, not just making up for the fact that I've survived or not just making up for perhaps the harm that ancestors of mine have done, but like martyred on those causes. (laughs) And if I don't martyr myself on those causes, I'm a bad person. Like that's the deepest layer that I'm really unraveling. And it's so confronting because it's so complex. Yeah. Because there's truth in that. There's there's some tr- there's truth in there's there's repair to be done. <laughs> and there's truth in there's healing to be done. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't have to martyr myself for those things to happen. Yeah. And so there's one script around martyrdom does not equal liberation. Like, or martyrdom equals liberation. I'm unraveling that one. (laughs) And there's another one around just capitalism in general. Like, and I didn't think I had this very much because I'm like a chill person. I'm not, I'm not super wound. I'm not like, 
I mean, I'm chill. I'm happy Let's to like get this cash. <laughs> no, I've just never been like, I mean, make a bank in your business. Which is not bad. Like, let's make no. think. <laughs> I mean, I actually, like, I can hustle. Like, I got my Mars and Aries in the sixth house of work. Yes. So, like, yes. I know how to start shit. I know how to do things. Like, that's easy for me. Yeah. Um, But I've never been super, like, I'm also really chill. Like, I can, I can hang out. I can journal. I can rest. Like, mm-hmm. that's not hard for me. But what is kind of challenging that, again, I'm unraveling cultural script-wise is that... I am, I don't have to be stressed to be safe. And that one overlaps with the previous script of like, well, you should be ashamed for that because (laughs) all of these advantages and all of these privileges, maybe you should just go back to stressing for everyone else so that everybody can be safe. And I'm like, is there a way that more bodies can experience this reality and how can I be a part of it? Not from a place of martyrdom or saviorship, but from a place of slow trust and love. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's a nervous system. Like it gets all like embedded in the tissues and the cells and like the nervous system literally gets activated. Like it's time to be stressed now that you're safe. And it's like, actually, no, (laughs) hold on. Let me like nurture. Let me care for, let me like look at, let me hold this part of me that is like rising up to protect me from like the expanse and the depth and the mystery of safety. Right. At the same time that we're just sitting here saying like, (laughs) there is no safety. So it's this funny both and, and I'm like, okay, if I am miraculously in a pocket of safety, in this season of my life, in this body of my soul's many lifetimes, <laughs> what does it mean to honor that? <laughs> what does it mean to honor that and not take it for granted and not necessarily take advantage of it? <laughs> but what does it mean to move from that place for us in the bigger picture? Yes. Without having to be everything for everyone. Yes. These are the questions <sighs> I'm living. <laughs> So good. So good. You're you're speaking to so many threads, so many tags. You know, I've been playing with this metaphor around like how scripts are like tags that like like almost like little like tags of like with twine and like old school paper that have been tied onto our nervous systems and different parts of us. Hmm. And those scripts become like agreements that we make about what reality is in a sense. And, and so like, I've been working with this, like in parts work, for example, like internal family systems of like, what, what stories are the different parts of me holding that I can untie and like hand over to peace, hand over to pleasure, hand over to the parts of me that are like, actually like, yes, the world is falling apart, but you and your beingness are fully capable of holding who you are. You are capable of being a cohesive being, even in the midst of great shift and change. Mm. And like, how can we release these stories, these tags, like from the body? Yes. And I'm curious, what what's maybe a tag or a script that you're releasing? Mm. Yeah, there's a big one. Um, 
One tag I'm releasing right now is very centered around like my relationship with the masculine. And like, I don't have to, I don't have to be the one to handle it actually. Like I don't have to be the one who is always coming in to handle it or take care. I don't have to be the strong one in the room. Mm. I can actually just kind of like be soft, mushy essence and sweet. I've been working on this with my friend Teo Montoya, who weaves human design and myth mending into this modality. So he's like creating this synthesis. And for some reason, when I stepped into that container, the masculine showed up. Like, yeah. And I've just been like in this really, really deep process of like recognizing where the five-year-old little me who stepped in to protect her older brother and win the fight. Like these kids were jumping on my older brother and like I stepped in like thumb and mouth, shy, quiet, principles list little girl. And I beat some motherfuckers. Like I was like, no, we're not doing this. And like, that is how I've been my whole life. Of like, yeah, I'm chill, but do not, do not come for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, I can like release that and like lean actually into a more resource masculine that isn't like feral almost. That's like, <laughs> this is so revealing about me. I'm like feeling slight, like the vulnerable chills. Is it vulnerable? Yeah. But like yeah. that isn't, like that's able to like, like safely hold the chaos. And that, that masculine is more like a part of my internal landscape and psyche, but it's not like who I am. I'm not mm-hmm. the strong black woman. I'm strong and I'm black and I'm a femme, but that's not my whole like identity. So yeah, there's a lot kind of going on in there. Wow. For Thank me. you for sharing that. It is yeah, really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I see you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of the kind of contrast of maybe a warrior energy yeah. versus um, like a spirit energy, <laughs> both of which might be categorized as masculine. Some of the most powerful masculine energies I've been around have been able to like direct the room without any words practically, just like shift the energy with still this like sword, but <laughs> there's, there's like, there's simplicity, there's compassion, there's, yeah. there's just like, this isn't happening here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't and and sometimes the feralness is needed, right? Yeah, like sometimes you gotta be like, "Do not call me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like sometimes you gotta set the boundary, but then like to not be dysregulated in that activity, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's been like the key that I've been tasting of like when I am in that experience, I'm also I also get to be fully online and in my body. Like I get to like have peace in my heart and like, like, like groundedness in my root when I'm like, Hey, like when I flex my energy and I'm like, Hey, like, or when I like extend and I'm like, you are welcome here and I can bless the room and I can bring that, like Mm. that welcome home, like the kind side of the the Enneagram really like, just like that. Who are you an eight? I'm a seven, eight. 
I think. Okay. Sometimes I also think I'm other things, but I'm an eight. (laughs) Okay. Can we pause and like, what is it like being an eight for you as a woman? (laughs) I feel like some of the descriptions on eight are like, y'all are not really fully seeing it. No, no, no. Definitely not as a woman. Okay. I'm an eight with a nine wing. Mm -hmm. And lately I've been like, am I a nine? Because some of the shit that nines have around really like being a mediator versus being in your center. Like I can get into that as well. Or I feel like that's part of what I've been unraveling as well around work. Um, As an eight for me, and maybe this is part of being an eight as a woman, my like fight energy only, I only bring it in intimate relationships, like in with (laughs) with people I'm really safe with. Yeah. Forward facing, I, I wear the energy of the nine because that actually feels like my safety. Mm-hmm. My protection mechanism is you don't get my eight. <laughs> I only do the eight with like my trusted inner circle. And then I'm just super like, I'm just super blunt. I'm straightforward. Yes. I'm, you know, I, whatever. I'll, I'll be like, I'll call you on your bullshit. Like mm-hmm. I can do that with clients too, because that's, an agreement that we have essentially. And of course I do it in my little trauma-informed, all the things. But for me, also, I think my eight shows up as having a deep inner authority. I also have a safety authority. There's like a deep knowing of my yes and my no. And I am very, very much in touch with that in terms of my own life direction. So I feel like my (laughs) eight shows up in like inner volition energy. And mm. because that's between me and me, it's very easy for me to stay coherent with myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my eight shows up as a willingness to disappoint others. I'm okay with letting people down. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do it with love. I can do it with kindness. Yeah. And then I think also my eight shows up as being a little bit guarded around who I let in. Because yeah. when I let people in, I am, they say like, I forget what the phrase is, but the, the true essence of an eight is innocence yeah, and vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, my eight shows up by like my boundary is sort of, I don't know, it, it feels regulated. It doesn't feel overdone, but I have really clear kind of energetic boundaries around me. And I'm only intimate with people who I know it's safe to be innocent and vulnerable with, who it's safe Absolutely. to reveal my tenderness too. Absolutely. And I just don't do it with a, other people. Like there's a small group of people that have my trust and everyone else. I might be, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be real. I'm going to, you know, whatever. But there's only however many people that I really share my inner landscape with, like the depths of my inner landscape. <laughs> so I think that's how it shows up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I relate to a lot of what you just said. I have an emotional authority and I also have the channel of human design. So we're, we're synthesizing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> human, I have uh, the channel of, first of all, I have the cross of rulership. So I have a lot of like really big dominant energy. I'm a high dominant influential in the disc. Like I have all of that, but I also have like the, like the, like the gate of the 22nd gate in my sun design, which is all about grace. So mm-hmm. like, there's like this, like synthesis. Then I have the channel of provocation. Mm. Like literally, <laughs> like you're welcome in my house, but but watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like watch <Yes>. your mouth. <laughs> I, I will 
I'm I'm not afraid, you know, (laughs) I'm not afraid to like break rapport with you if necessary. I'm not afraid. I'm like, I'm just like, yeah, like let's go. But like also like really kind of only in my own space, which I definitely resonate with that. I'm like, I'm not trying to like come out of my house and like tell people how to treat me. I'm like, that's your business, how you treat people. Um, Like these are, this is where I'm at. I'm still in my space. And I'm going to continue to be in my space. Right. And like, yeah, you're welcome, I'm like, like, right. Like, and you're welcome with into that space with an invitation, right? Invitation so, only. That's the vibe. <laughs> the vibe is invitation only. Right. Like I, I am a little bit exclusive with that. Like you're, you're welcome into like in the, the seven, that's where the seven comes online for me, where I'm like, no, I'm baby, baby talking with my partners. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm that I'm like, a kid, like a little kid. <laughs> I have that part of me where I'm just like the host, like I'm playful. I am white. Um, And so that part of me, like there's a part of me that comes online though. That's like, I'm the five-year-old me (laughs) protecting my older brother in that sense of like, don't, you can come into my space, but watch your mouth. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like, don't talk about my friend. (laughs) It's so great. No, I I feel like, yeah, I feel like eights get a bad rep. And I think what's so great about the Enneagram eight is you just know exactly where you stand with someone. Like it's not a mystery. Sometimes I think, you know, I'm, I'm very straightforward, very blunt, even, even, you know, whatever, like even with people outside of the inner sphere, like you don't have to wonder. Yeah. It's just all clear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's lovely personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a willingness to like, let people be unclear, but unclear. I can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm patient with your process, right? Like, I don't need you to be where I'm at. I see you like the nurturance of the eight. I can, I can hold space for you to be mm-hmm. where you're at. Like if that feels correct and like, it's all Gucci, it's all good from here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no cultural <laughs> scripts. Okay. So the cultural script around the Enneagram 8, we processed that. We mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just for <laughs> for all the Sims in the world, like we got you. Yeah, um, we got you. <laughs> we're not just angry. No, we're not. <laughs> Although Actually, like, I do have really, a great access to agitation. Yeah. Like I can be very like annoyance is the place I go in diff- mm-hmm. under difficult situations. I get annoyed and irritated. Is that the nine in you? No, that's the eight. Because eights are body type. Eight, nine, and one are all body types. Mm -hmm. And they go to anger. Yeah. Um, What is it? Four, no, no. Five, six, and seven are mind types and they go to anxiety Mm -hmm. or fear. And then two, three, and four are heart types and they go to like grief or sadness. Emotionally under stress. That makes sense. So I definitely go to like agitation. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So let's, I want to kind of dive in um, even just for a second and keep talking about these cultural scripts that we were on because there was a lot of juice in there. Mm-hmm. But I also want to like explore like where are you at in your work in your world, we were talking about essence liberation on Instagram. So I was wondering if we could pull some of those elements into the conversation. Um, yeah, I would like to start there. 
I'm at a place, I think, you know, my, one of my favorite coaches and teachers and friends, her name is Chayla Davison. And she has a really lovely, she has a podcast called What is Leadership? And there's a, there's an episode all about seasonality mm-hmm. and how it can show up in your life and your work and your relationships and how you can be in different seasons and different phases of your life. It's a really great listen. I highly recommend it. But I think I'm in a winter with my work. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's kind of a strange place for me to be. Um, it's great. I like embrace it, but I'm in I'm in a composting season. Close the coach training. I'm just doing a, a small. I, I'm doing something called a CEO coven for four to six clients where we work together both one on one and with this small group. And it's it's for people. I've been reflecting on like the majority of the people that I've worked with over the last few years because I make these (laughs) very personalized programs for each client once they come to me. And I was reading back through them and there was this theme and it showed up in really different ways for each of the clients, but the theme of centering others (laughs) versus centering themselves. (sighs) Um, And of course that can, again, it can show up based on your positionality or it can show up based on your trauma history or it can show up like in all of these different ways, it can show up in a really secretive way where you look like you're holding it all together and you're super powerful, but really what you're doing is you're in your shadow career, as Julia Cameron would call it from mm-hmm. the artist's way. Like your shadow career is doing something really close to what you would love to do, but it's not mm-hmm. quite it. It's like serving others versus yeah. expressing your art through your soul. <laughs> so for me, I'm in a place where I'm like, I kind of built this entire, I did, I built this entire company centered in service, (sighs) of course, with my creativity and my soulfulness infused into it, but I I tore it down and now I'm just reconnecting with my own creativity and getting really quiet and listening. And I think I might be in a season for a few years where my work is not the center of my life. I want to, mm. like I said, I want to, I want to have babies. And mm. that feels edgy too, as somebody who I've been self-employed since I was like 20. Like I've always worked yeah. for myself. There's always been some level of stress involved in earning the money I needed. And now after, you know, since whatever, 12, 15, 13 years of building a reputation, building my skills, mm. and also building the quality of what I'm delivering, that it's worth a value exchange that can, like I can charge what I consider high prices without any like shame around that. (laughs) I can receive what I need without working a ton. And that's, again, that's edgy for me to let myself go into this season where my work is really easy and I get to feed my soul and nourish my my inner artist and nourish my body and focus on family. So that's where I am. And it's it's a very different, very, very different energy for me. Um, I'm kind of like coming up against, it's really not like, oh, am I not important? I don't really care about that. Or am I like, but the thing I'm coming up against the most is, am I allowed mm. to just have it this good? Mm. And it feels like I'm breaking a major rule. Yeah, to have ease and abundance and 
to be of service, but also really to be centering myself more than centering others. Like, ooh, it's hard, but it feels good. But it also is so hard. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I'm just like witnessing that, um, the share and the feeling and like kind of the feeling I'm getting from you, which is like, it's, it is like that, um, that feeling of like, I don't know if anybody on earth has ever experienced this outside of like being born. Um, (laughs) When you're crossing the threshold of being born, you have no clue what's going to happen on the other side of that. You're just like, your head's just kind of like being carried along by these muscles through. (laughs) I'm sorry for anyone who's like, this is too visceral, but it's life. Like your whole being is like being carried through the muscles of the womb into a very bright and confusing world. <laughs> yeah, my stomach kind of churns as I hear that. I'm like, oh, especially because the, you know, it's it's not a metaphor to like at this point, you know, in like my own conception portal and it's real. It's like, it's the most vulnerable place I've ever been. And I'm some, I mean, I've published two books. I've done a lot of like creative birthing, mm-hmm. but there is nothing that comes anywhere close to the vulnerability I'm experiencing just saying yes to the portal of, I will birth a new life out of my body. Like, what the fuck? Like, oh my fucking God. I'm like, this is how I got here? Like this is how we all got here by like people being most vulnerable. Speaking of like the true essence of the eight, I'm like, I feel so, so vulnerable putting this in the center. It's, it would be so much easier for me to just focus on work. Yeah. But to focus on my spirit, my soul, my body, my call to like have a family, like, oh God, it's painful. And it's so exciting and it's so good, but it's, so vulnerable. I hear you. I hear you. So many levels, like so, so, so much. And I've never birthed a child. So I like there's so much that I don't know. And there's so much about that, that like, I'm like, wow, I'm in awe and in reverence for people who are birthing babies. Like, however you're birthing a baby, Mm-hmm. Uh, all the portals are still the portals through which the baby is born. And that process in and of itself is so deep. <laughs> You're literally creating a life form yeah. in your body, outside of your body, like whatever it is, life is being made. Yeah. And it just can't be understated. I mean, it could be understated. It feels like it's always being like understated. Like language is not enough. Language is not enough. Feels mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, this has been really delightful. I feel like there are just so many different like like nooks and avenues and, and lanes that we could continue to go with this conversation. But I am feeling like almost like full like complete almost because I'm just like there's so much richness of getting it to to drop into your world a little bit and hear what's kind of going on how you're processing in some senses of like being a human being someone who is birthing work who is creating work but also you're in this beautiful season of like transitioning into being a mother and I just have a lot of respect for that 
it's like a true, uh, it's so interesting. I'm curious about what you think about this. Mm-hmm. There can be this rush, I feel like, to become the mother for like folks like myself who, you know, I'm like right at the right at the cusp of my Saturn return. And like one of the cultural scripts that I feel like I'm hearing a lot is like, you need to be initiated, initiate, initiate. You need to become the mother. You need to drop the mating because she's irresponsible and blah, 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 blah. And you like, and I'm like, this is a lot. <laughs> like, can somebody who like isn't trying to rush my process uh, or the processes of people who like we have these like, rites of passage for a reason. We have these markers in our lives for a reason. Why are we rushing across the threshold? Why, like, what would, like, what is your vision? Do you have thoughts on this? This, like, these rites of passage, these stages of initiation, the maiden and mother, like, yes. can, you, can you give me the tea? <laughs> Here's what comes up for me. I had this wonderful mentor um, named Jen Lemon for 10 15 years, my whole maidenhood, we could call it. And one of the things she said to me, I was like 25 and I interviewed all these people who were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s about age and meaning. And one of the things she said was like, listen, life is going to stop you at some point with meaning like life is going to slow you down into your quote unquote mother work at some point, whether it's with a child or professionally or Mm. caring for an elder, like life is going to hand you major responsibilities that slow you down at some point. So run hard and fast while you can, wherever you want to go. Like if that's an option for you and not all all of us have that option, some of us are handy major responsibilities way too young, right? Developmentally at child at our developmental child stage, we're given adult roles or developmental adolescent stage, we're given adult roles. And that sucks because those developmental stages, this is something I used to teach all about in Rebloom, they're essential for us coming into right relationship with our work in the world. We need to live in the child stage of, am I safe and do I belong and who will help me? We need that developmentally to be able to graduate to the adolescent stage or what you might call maiden stage of who am I? (laughs) Who am I really? What is my identity? What's my pleasure? Who's my crew? What are my turn-ons? What is my like heart ablaze with passion and romance for the sake of? That is maiden work, figuring out your identity, figuring out your passion, figuring out your love and your lust and your (laughs) romance. And that requires being able to, in some sense, leave the the family unit of the belonging, quote unquote, from which you've come (sighs) and potentially cross an initiatory threshold into self. Yes. We in child to the me in adolescent back to the we in adult mm. and then to the me in elder. But at each stage, the we and the me is different. Mm-hmm. And so the adolescent me, we haven't been initiated into, like we don't have proper initiations and rites of passage to live that in earnest. Yeah. And so it comes out sideways. It comes out with in rape culture, in benders, yes. in superficiality, in, you know, like whatever, all that, all that crap. But really 
maidenhood and West Shield are essential. They're essential so that when you find out what you really love by going to circus camp or going to that festival or going to the kink scene or going to the religious group or wherever you go or going into your artist journey or being a bartender or a barista or a nanny or a whatever Mm -hmm. permaculture junkie, like whatever you explore because you haven't taken on the weight of adulthood yet, (sighs) it shapes your identity. It shapes your your essence. It's a, you know, we have an essence that's born, that's born into us from the beginning. And then you move into adolescence to get to focus on yourself and develop yourself and say, who am I, despite who I've told, who I've been told I should be? Mm. Who am I really? What's my rebellion? Yeah. If you don't have your rebellion and if you don't take it, no Mm. one's going to give it to you in this culture. So if you don't take it, Mm. And you rush into adult, you rush into mother, you rush into being responsible, you rush into like proving yourself, you rush into all of that, which of course capitalism pushes us to do. Yeah. Where is the space to explore and not know? Like there's not a lot of space for that. (sighs) What I did is I lived with families and I nannied so I didn't pay rent from like basically any of my 20s. And all the dollars I earned, I used to adventure. And I was so lucky because I was mentored in that direction. Yeah. Just like everybody else was raised in this culture that really pushes us to like being productive members of society and making money and all this shit, right? But like I had this rebellious mentor who was like, fuck that shit. Run far and fast and wide because life will stop you when it's time. Yeah. And so I, I really credit Jen to so much of my development because I went all the way into my West Shield. I lived in Portland. I was depressed. I was smoking too much yes. food. I was dancing. I was, I was doing all of this shit, right? I, was, I, I, I went into the West Shield, which is mystery. Yes. It's the unknown, which is amuse. Yes. And from that place, I got brought to my knees. I got a cancer yes. diagnosis. I got... Mm and home to live with my parents and heal our relationship. I got all of these things, like life slowed me down. Yeah. And from that place, I also got, I started to get frustrated of like, I can't actually birth the work I want to birth in the world because I don't have the resources. And so Mm. my initiation became around like was a lot around money and resources Mm. and learning how to support myself and learning how to say, okay, I can, I can move on from it's all about me because I did it's all about me for a decade. How I can think about you. How can mm-hmm. I serve you? Yeah. And I went really strongly into service and into mm-hmm. reciprocity, financial reciprocity for my service. And that was my North Shield or my adult, my mother initiation, my first round of it. Yeah. And from 28 until like 36, I was in a hardcore service energy. North Shield mother. And then now I want to become an actual mother. (laughs) By actual, I mean, I want to have a child, right? There's a mother, but like, I want to have a child. And one of the other things that I used to teach is like, in mother, one of the questions, each shield has the questions, right? South Shield is who have, or am I safe? Do I belong? Who can help me? Mm-hmm. West Shield adolescent is 
who am I and who am I really? What do I love? What are my passions? What are my rebellions? Yeah. Work shield mother adult is how am I meant to serve? And mm-hmm. what do I need to receive to stay resourced yeah. in my service? Yes. What resources do I need? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to find them? <laughs> and so as I shift from a professional mother stage into a very personal mother stage, that mm-hmm. has been a guiding question for me. What yeah. resources do I need? And I've needed time. I've needed the resource of taking care of my body. I've needed a lot of spiritual self-centering mm-hmm. to cross this threshold. Yeah. yeah. So that's the question that's given me the permission to shift career-wise. I also need money, right? Yeah. Can I shamelessly say, yeah, these are my rates. This is what I offer. Mm-hmm. I'm a full-blown mother. Like, do you want to work with me? This is the mother rate. Like, yeah. And there have been times where I've had other things where I'm serving more and whatever, but this is what I need to receive, to be able to be the mother that I am meant to be in the world right now. <laughs> Play with me or don't. It's cool. It's, it's all yeah. good. Like I've had, I'm not trying to whatever. And then Crone, West Shield, I mean, East Shield, the final initiation is about what's my legacy. Yes. It's about infusing everything you've gathered from all of the other stages of life and saying, what's my legacy? What matters to me to leave on this earth? Who can I help now with all my granny gifts, right? Mm-hmm. In this garden, mm-hmm. in this village. And also like, what do I want to do as I live out my last days? It goes back to the me, but with all of the power of yeah. wisdom and age. And it becomes a more kind of transpersonal me. How can I be in service to Mm -hmm. the whole collective? And I feel like I was trying to do that shit too soon. Right. So I'm just backing up and I'm like, okay, wait, there's something I want to serve that's more individual and personal. Yeah. What do I need to receive for this? What What do I need to say no to? What do I need to like downsize on? Yeah. And just do my humble work for right now. I love this conversation. First of all, have you have you ever heard of Bill Plotkin? Yes, I love Bill Plotkin. Yeah. Okay. Sort of yes. Okay. Wild Mind. Yeah. Okay. That I was like, I have like heard of this and read this before. And Bill I wonder Plotkin, School of Lost Borders, Indigenous yes. Cultures all yes. have like these developmental shields. Yes. And I love how you like just shared this in a way where it, it's not this linear path. It's like no. very fluid. We are ebbing in and out of these stages of initiation. Um, these descents to soul, these soul initiations are like more like kind of like a spiral, a twist and a turn around the next day rather than like, well, now that you've done first grade, it's time for second grade. Totally. And that's so important because people will hear this and feel all of the shame of like, wait a second, the question I'm holding is around the South, is around the child. Am I safe? Do I belong? Who can help me? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I spent a lot of my twenties anchoring into those questions. I think that it's a rare privilege to actually get to live the questions of your age at the age. Yeah. Our culture is so fucked up. 
And we experience personal and collective trauma that parentifies us and that has us playing all these other roles. So it is a spiral. It is a journey. You get to go backward and forward any which way and any time. And that's important to say because people will feel like shame and grief hearing that. And like will take themselves out of the story of expressing who they are and bringing, you know, their sacred work, their medicine, their thing, their creation to the culture. They'll they'll take themselves out of it and say, well, I know for like myself, that tension of like, well, you know, I don't, I know I'm not the mother (laughs) and maybe I might be like holding space, but like the maiden holds space. Like there's like, there's like, there's like a nuance to it that I just like feel and sense of like, no, like I'm qualified to be in the room. And that is the question of the maiden of like, yeah, learn everything you can dive into all the books, go to all the countries. If you can like meet the folks journal, like really like take field notes and then like synthesize that info on the daily. If you can. Or in season by season, so you can remember, I belong, I belong, I belong, I belong. My voice belongs, my medicine belongs, my work belongs. Think about, um, I know Greta was like a child when she really started her activism work. But like, just think about the teenager who talks back to authority, Mm -hmm. to outdated authority, and the value of that. Yes, absolutely. There is um, an energy of openness, of willingness, of dissent, of rebellion, of all kinds of things that are available in maidenhood that, again, because life slows you down, because you're holding more in adulthood, it's it's actually harder to access the disruptive energy of the adolescent (laughs) in adulthood. It's why people (laughs) stay in lives they don't want to be in. Yeah. So there's plenty of value at every mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. And like for the for the adult, quote unquote, who are like 30, late 30, 40, and you're like, I'm dipping back into that like rebellious, that like dissent, that like that is for you. That like 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 again, this is <laughs> this you can be and exploring yes. your sexual identity. You can be yes. like, I need a new job. It might be yeah. on this. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Your age doesn't matter. Yeah. It's nonlinear growth. This has been really delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so glad that we took that left turn and went down this path. Very, very, very worth it. I'm so glad. Um, I feel edified and I'm sure our listeners will feel that way as well. Um, I want to sort of end with a little bit of like, how can people get in touch with you? Do you want people to be getting in touch with you right now? Where can, where can people find your work, your books, your podcasts, all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm in a, you know, like I said, it's like fall, winter, so things are disintegrating, but you can go to rebloomtogether.com. Both of my books are there. A uh, link to my podcast is there. My podcast is called Rebloom Your World. Right now I'm just like riffing and I make these like little dance temples and playlists. It's fun. I tell stories. Um, Yeah. So, and also, you know, we didn't talk about it, which is totally wonderful, but I created a whole body of work called Rebloom and it's personal Mm -hmm. and collective post-traumatic growth. We've trained and certified um, in the next month, like 50 different coaches who are really qualified 
to <laughs> move through these different life cycles with you and help you finish and complete unfinished business from your past. Yeah. Whether it's in this lifetime or ancestrally or whatever. And so if you're looking for someone to work with um, for somatic, post-traumatic growth, you can find a list of all the coaches there. And I just say that because they're awesome and I want them to get on the referrals. Um, so yeah, those are the main places. And then you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Maddox. Jam. I love this. Thank you so much, Rachel. This has been amazing. Oh, it's been so, so great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. Your listenership means the world to us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts and share with what resonated with you with friends. If you're curious about anything that we're doing here at Ken Spirit behind the scenes, feel free to join our journey over on Instagram at Ken Spirit or on our website at www.kenspirit.org. Thank you so much, friend. We'll see you next time.